God's word comes to us in Luke at chapter 18, beginning to read at verse 9 and reading through verse 17. First is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, and then the story of people bringing babies to Jesus. It looks like these two things aren't connected, but we're going to discover that they are. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Fast twice a week, give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. People were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Frederick Beekner, wonderful Christian writer, once said that it's not only more blessed to give than to receive, it's also a whole lot easier. And I think we understand. It's easier to give because then we work from our strength. We work from the human resource center that God has opened in each one of us. You offer somebody a word of encouragement and you sense that you're standing on holy ground with them. You bail out your sister and the look in her eye tells you how much it means. Even our tears can bless a suffering person with the knowledge that they matter to us so much that their suffering causes us to suffer. God has seen fit to entrust us human creatures with the bounties of personhood. And so we've got value to offer others, and we've got freedom to decide how much value to offer, and to whom, and when. Of course, we make bad decisions here all the time. We give full attention to people who don't need it so much and ignore some who do. We give a lot to people who are already full and scrimp with people who are hungry, maybe hungry only for a word of encouragement from us. Or we try to give something to someone, but we go about it in a patronizing way, makes the recipient wish that we hadn't bothered. Sometimes think of this at birthday time, time when sometimes gifts are given not to benefit the recipient so much as to make a statement. You give somebody a CD of music they ought to like. You donate money in somebody's name to a cause they wouldn't dream of supporting. Birthday tug-of-war. You give your Scrabble opponent a new Scrabble dictionary so your words will start to count. We give with ulterior motives, or we mess up in some other way. But to have something to give is to be like God. And we discover this 
at times when we don't have anything to give? What if you had to be on the receiving end all the time? You'd feel passive. You'd feel dependent. You'd feel as if your balance of trade was way out of whack. Lots of people worry about this. They think, what if I get so sick that strangers have to give me a bath? What if I get paralyzed? What if I get caught in some disastrous sin and need help in the morning to get out of bed just to face the wreckage? Over the years, we've seen film footage of a terrible reality from countries that are experiencing terrible unrest. You see people having to leave their homes with their children and go to a refugee camp. Doesn't matter what the locale is. In any case, think of those children. Children might see a paramilitary goon roust their parents from their beds and plant a foot in their mother's back and shove. Terrible thing for a child to see. And then the weary march to refugee camps. Camps are already jammed. Everybody there is thirsty, bone tired, everybody stinks. Part of the degradation under these conditions is that children who are used to receiving from their parents have to watch their parents get in line and beg for food. Dependency can feel like humiliation. My friend Scott Jose points out in one of his books that in the U.S., virtually every form of dependency we hear about comes with a stigma attached. Who wants to be welfare dependent or co-dependent? Who wants to be drug dependent? How many Christians relish the opportunity to depend on deacons? What nation would declare, would issue a declaration of dependence and hope to stir the blood of patriots? I think we understand very well that it's not only more blessed to give than to receive, it's also a whole lot easier. A giver has power. A giver has options. A giver may choose to dispense grace or to withhold it, almost like God. And so, I find myself a little surprised that Jesus is so impressed with babies. In Luke 18, Jesus blesses some babies, and then he says to his disciples, look there. This is how we all ought to be. I tell you, unless you receive the kingdom of God like a little child, you will never enter it. Like a child. And of course, this is where centuries of preachers get sentimental. This is the place in the sermon where we hear about all the virtues of children, including the imaginary ones. But Jesus wasn't sentimental about children. Jesus knew that children could be perverse. In Luke 7, Jesus describes children who are whiny and complaining about their playmates. They say, we played the flute for you, and you didn't dance. We sang a funeral song, and you didn't cry. In other words, Everything bores you, nothing pleases you, nobody can win with you. Jesus knew that children could get into a snit. And so in Luke 18, Jesus doesn't say how sweet children are, doesn't tell us they're special, doesn't tell us about that trusting look in a child's eye. All these things may be true, but they're not what interests Jesus. When Jesus Christ 
blesses an infant. And Luke does use the word for infant here. When Jesus blesses an infant, what he sees is a bundle of need. Infants are needy people. And so in first century Palestine, they are lowly people. They're like the tax collector in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. In Luke's gospel, Jesus tells this, this story about the lofty Pharisee who got humbled and the humble tax collector who got exalted. And Jesus says, it's as if Jesus says, by the way, thinking about this tax collector, while we're in the lowliness department, look at these babies. Jesus was talking to first century people. Nobody had designer children in those days. Nobody wanted a child-centered family. A child is another mouth to feed. And the trouble with a child is you have to feed that child's mouth for a lot of years before they're able to milk a goat or prune a vine. Jesus looks at a child and he sees somebody on the bottom rung of society's ladder. First century children were lowly because they had nothing to give. They didn't produce anything. They didn't contribute anything to village life. An infant can't build you a barn or dig you a well. They just lie around all day. All they produce is waste. There's just one thing that infants are really good at. One respect in which they are our teachers. Jesus Christ points to babies because they are perfectly wonderful receivers. They don't produce very much, but are they ever great at receiving? Nudge an infant's face with a nipple or with a fingertip, and her mouth will open, and she will try to suck like a whirlpool. A healthy infant knows how to take nourishment from food and how to take nourishment from love, and it's a good thing, too, because without these gifts, she will die. Telling you the truth, says Jesus, you have to receive the kingdom of God like a little child. Jesus says this to disciples, including some of us, who are not very good at receiving. Somebody gives us a gift and we rebuke them. Oh, you shouldn't have. Somebody praises us for the way we played, whatever it is that we play, and we run ourselves down. Oh, I played ugly today. We don't receive the gift of praise. Block the gift, make the giver look ignorant. In effect, we say to, to the giver, when you praised the way I played, you didn't know what you were talking about. Not so good at receiving. Thought of this for years when I was in administration on the Calvin campus. Get a new building on the campus or a new building in Grand Rapids. The first thing that some people do is criticize the donor. How strange. I think that some of us have forgotten what we had when we were babies. Once upon a time, we knew how to receive value and live off it. Once we were like wide receivers in football. You know, when a strong-armed quarterback rifles a pass out to a wide receiver, what you, what you never see, what you will not see this afternoon, is the receiver catch the ball, stop, look at it, and yell back at the quarterback, 
What's this all about? I haven't had a ball all quarter. Well, why are you throwing to me now? You'll never see that because, of course, wide receivers live off those passes. They'll take all they can get. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Now think about this for just a few more minutes before we stop. When we are little children, we grow into a world that is already there. We inherit a world. We don't invent one. We discover it. We enter a world that already has bike racing and barn dancing. It's already got Land's End and L.L. Bean. We've already had a lot of Middle East war and peace and arguments about who is to blame. We've already got love and marriage. And it's a good thing, too, because in our own families, all kinds of arrangements were made before Nathan or Andrew ever got onto the scene. But when a baby is born into a family or adopted into a family, this baby just lives off all these arrangements that have already been made. And this is how it is with the kingdom of God. It's been there from the foundations of the earth for as long as it's been true, our God reigns, the kingdom of God has been there. We don't create anything in the kingdom of God, we receive it, and then we add our bit to it. We can't step out of the sphere of God's loving power any more than we can step out of the universe. That's why a baby's baptism is so eloquent. A baby's baptism says that while we are still infants, God's grace comes to us from way back in human history. Once upon a time, Israel went down into the Red Sea and came up on the other side because God had stretched out a mighty arm. Once upon a time, Jesus Christ went down into death and then came up on the other side in a second exodus that has become the linchpin of history. Once upon a time, the Holy Spirit was poured out on disciples, and they started to sound like a league of nations. Children of believers are born or adopted into these events. Nathan and Andrew aren't just their family's ch children. They are Exodus children. They're resurrection children. They're kingdom children. And all because Jesus was a Christmas child. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And of course, all of us know, in the solitude of our hearts, all of us know that in order to receive the kingdom, we have to receive the king. And that means so much more than I have two or three minutes left to tell you. But let me tell you one thing. For 15 centuries, Christian believers have been using what's called the Jesus Prayer. You get by yourself, you open your hands, open your hearts, you squelch the fact that the thought that you are a macho hotshot or a timid underperformer, man, woman, young, old, doesn't make a bit of difference. All you are is a child of God, a bundle of need. And so you say in the words of the Jesus Prayer, 
O Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. O Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. O Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and grant me your peace. It's a tax collector's prayer, and it's a child's prayer, even if you're 65 years old, because the prayer is good when you're high, it's good when you're low. It's a prayer at the intersection of your need and God's grace, O Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. Have mercy on me, a sinner, and grant me your peace. Grant me the peace of a tax collector who went home justified. Grant me the peace of a child blessed by Jesus. People were bringing babies to Jesus. The disciples saw it and rebuked them, but Jesus said, don't rebuke them. Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to babies like these. Truly, I tell you, unless you receive the kingdom of God like a little child, you will never enter it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.